just speaking to me. How many of you know that the church, I'm not talking about uh, Destiny Foursquare, but the American church just took a hard, hard hit in this last season. And there's saints in this room and outside of this room, all over the place, um, talking with um, professional counselors that, um, you know, meet uh, with believers. I mean, um, there's just been an exponential need uh, for, it's a little hot, you can bring it down just a little bit. Um, Just an, an exponential need for fresh breath, a fresh awakening, a a pep in our step. I remember I've seen it over and over again. God awaken a church and, and, you know, the, I I, I just believe that the word that God's given me this morning to to share is, is just a prophetic word from the book of Joel to, to just breathe in new life again. So would you stand and just agree with me as, as we pray over this message this morning? Father God, we thank you for all that you're gonna do and all that you're gonna accomplish through your word this morning. Your word will speak to us and, 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 and cut through all this stuff. Lord, I pray for dreams to awaken again. I pray for a fresh breath, a fresh uh, uh, presence of your Holy Spirit um, alive and awakened in our life and that dreams that maybe have been dormant would come to life again. And I pray it all in your mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you guys. All right, so if you're taking notes today, and I kind of always secretly hope that you are, you are, but the, the title of today's talk is Dreaming Again, Restoring What's Been Broken, and this was, again, inspired largely in part by what I saw Holy Spirit accomplish and do this past weekend on the inner city streets of Denver. Man, we had a blast. That's where we, a team of 10 of us were in Denver last night. It blew me away, and it brought tears to my eyes several times over. And um, I just heard Holy Spirit say, it's time to dream again. That little chorus that we were singing at the end was just a, became, was a song that we were singing that God just gave uh, to us that, that first night we came together and we worshiped. It, was, it ended up being in, in Judah and Candace's house. And lean in a little bit closer to your heart. You draw us near. And, you know, we, we've been talking about comebacks largely since I've come back from sabbatical, that Jesus is the comeback king. And that the gospel story is really just a large collection of of comeback stories and an ultimate comeback story of Jesus being our rescue and resurrection. But what I'm really hoping to see right here in our lives is for God to restore what's been lost or broken. And what I'm speaking about today is in the future tense for some of us in America in the room, because apparently even though we've made it through, you know, a global crisis, we're not over the losses and the hurt and the pain that's associated with it. There was a survey done in February of this year, and the survey was asking adults what the status of their psyche was, um, and, and uh, adults that were reporting symptoms of, of anxiety and depre- uh, depressive disorder in February of this year, now that we're kind of, you know, through this thing, 32.3% of adults said they're reporting symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorder. Now, uh, partly that's because even though we're through it, it feels like the hits keep on coming. It's, it's, it's felt like that. It, uh, you know, that, that, and, and even if it wasn't the pandemic for some of us, uh, there, there may have been another situation in the last two and a half years in the story of your life that maybe puts you in this percentage. But, but let me just say this, the, the staggering statistic is 18 to 24 years old um, in, in, in this. And that, so that demographic that we're believing for to be the generation, you know, that 
lives for his renown that carries the torch after us to carry the message of the gospel after us. In February of this year, 49.9% of 18 to 24 year olds reported symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorder. Did you hear that number? It's 50%. So the pandemic years made a mark and, and, and though we're moving through in a lot of ways, a lot of us are wanting to just push off and move on. There's a mark that has been made. There's a geographical mark that's been made on the nation. People were moving to different places, right? We saw that shift as hundreds moved into our houses and apartment complexes here in South Dakota. I heard we, we passed the 1 million mark for the first time here in South Dakota. So there, there's been a geographical shift in America, but there's also been a mark made on our psyche. Based on everything that we went through, it left a mark on our physical health, it left a mark on our socialization. It left a mark on our spiritual lives. It left a mark on the church, for sure. We saw that. Uh, the church is not the same church as it was in 2019. Uh, 2019, some ways good, some ways not so good. Uh, it made a mark on our norms, in our education, our, on our employment, on our families, on our relationships. There has been a mark that was made, and we have to really take stock and understand that. And especially young people, the World Health Organization said the anxiety, overall global anxiety, went up 25% during the pandemic. And these numbers are staggering when we look at teenagers. There was a study about high school students with persistent feelings of hopelessness and sadness lasting over weeks at a time, causing them to stop doing normal things. And in 2019, 46% of female high school students were in that condition. So we were in a world of mental health hurt before the pandemic, but in 2021, that percentage moved up to 57%. And for males, that number moved from 27 to 29%. And the suicide rates have just gone completely off the charts. So when you think about it, think about this for just a second. If you're 15 years old and you came through the two years of pandemic, March 20 to uh, you know, March 2022, one seventh of your life was spent in global crisis, right? Like nothing you've ever experienced before. If you're 65 years old, then only one thirty second of your life was spent in global crisis. And you've probably never seen anything like this as a 65 year old, but you have been through things. But if you're 15 or 12 or 11, then you hadn't necessarily seen anything quite like this. And a large portion of your life on planet earth is just, you know, global crisis. And the effects of that have been severe. Now, if you're 65 years old, you remember Vietnam. You remember, you know, wondering if on your birthday you were going to be drafted to war in Vietnam. You remember the Cold War. You remember seeing presidents assassinated, leaders of our nations assassinated. You will remember the tensions of all that happened in the reality of 9-11 and what that did to change the landscape of the world and our lives to this day. And so there's some perspective that you can look back on, right? Um, but so I want to I show you this. I remember seeing this picture. Um, are we there? Oh, we don't have it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> all right, we don't have our pictures. So... If you're a young person, you don't have perspective. And all of a sudden, everything you know about life has come to a halt. And in some ways, it's just a, it's just a wipeout. My daughter, Bella, she graduated in 2020. And there were so many, I mean, as you can imagine, disappointments. You know, not having prom, the, a drive-through uh, theater, you know, graduation experience. She didn't get to walk, you know, those kind of things. And this message was inspired, I want to say, not by loss, but by seeing dreams realized again after experiencing loss or brokenness. So that's where we're heading, okay? Um, maybe, like me, um, you've seen and heard some heartbreaking stories. And I, I don't know about you, but I've wept through some of my own heartbreak. And uh, 
the heartbreak of others for this season. And I thought about the prophet Joel and how in calamity and in distress, the prophet Joel speaks on behalf of God a promise. And the promise is this, we'll read it in a moment, but it's the Lord saying, I will give back the years that the locusts have eaten. And I, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but there have been times that I've just wanted to shout from the mountaintops and say, God is greater than what you've lost. He's greater. He has no rival. We sang it this morning. God can give back the years that the locusts have eaten. It is not hype. It is not a construct of a sermon this morning. It's the truth of who God is. He's a restoring king. He's a resurrection king. And I want to proclaim that over us today. And I want to speak it over me. I want to speak it over you. And I want to speak it over anyone who needs to know that, yes, maybe there has been a season of loss, but God is a God who restores. And so in the book of Joel, I'm telling you, it was, it was rough. And I'm sorry we don't have the screens this morning, but um, uh, you can follow along on the back of your uh, bulletin if you, if you need one. Raise your hand up in the air. Ushers will get you one. All the, all the verses are there, okay? So Joel's prophecy, it opens like this. It says, the, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, this is, we're reading from Joel 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this, you elders, give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Had such a thing uh, happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. In other words, what's happening in this moment is so catastrophic that it's gonna leave a mark for generations, okay? And here's what the word is. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust have eaten. You're like, how many locusts do we need in one verse, right? And so in, in the Hebrew text, each of these locusts is a different Hebrew word. And so that's why you get these kind of different descriptors of all the different locusts. And the first one, really, if you look into the, into the original language, it's a gnawing locust. Has anybody experienced some gnawing pain this season? You know, it, it's, it's there and it just keeps gnawing away. This, the, second, the second one that came in because there was, a, there was a little bit of the harvest left after the gnawing locust was a swarming locust. They just came in like a tornado. And, and after the swarming locusts were, were the creeping locusts. They're just always there. They don't seem to want to go away. They're creeping. You think, okay, I, I took a step towards my healing, but no, and they're the locusts again. We made some good movement, but there's the locust again. They're just creeping on in to get what's left by the swarming locust. But even the creeping locust left a little bit behind, and so the consuming locust came in, and they just stripped the land. That's the story of what we're reading here now. He said, this is, this is what's going to be passed down from generations to generations. This is going to leave a mark. But there is hope. And we already know that this book ends with God's promise that he repays for the years that the locusts have eaten. So we might want to go back. And you're like, why would we want to go back? Because sometimes the way forward is back. <laughs> and sometimes you have to go back that way you came so that you can write your path and end up in the destination that God had for you to begin with. And so I think another reason that we want to go back today, honestly, is just so that we can have a collective moment of gratitude to God who has brought us through a difficult season. I don't know why, but I, I, I saw a, a little blip on my feed on April 10th. That legislation was signed by the president 
officially ending the national emergency for COVID-19. It was at the, like, the bottom of the news feed. And, you know, nobody was posting about it. There were, there were no posts with little confetti going off. Um, there was nobody, you know, having a dinner party. Nobody had their family. There wasn't a barbecue in the neighborhood, but it happened. And, and then on May 11th, another piece of legislation was signed by the president, ending the public health emergency. And so that was an official legislative bill you know, signed by the president declaring that this thing is finished and there were no fireworks going off or anything. And I don't know that we need fireworks because I don't know that being cavalier is the right spirit given, you know, what we've been through. But man, we need to take stock today and, and, and take just a, whew, just a deep breath today and express gratitude. Not, not, not just individually, but corporately. That, and, and say that, thank you, God, that we have come through a wipeout of locusts. And, and, and we're still here by the grace of God. And, and so this is what Joel is encouraging in chapter 2. So this locust army turns into an army army. And, but God says that there's a way out in verse 12 of chapter 2. And it says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. I want you to hear that this morning. Return to me with all your heart. Lean in a little bit closer, closer to my heart. So what do you do if you want to see restoration from the wipeout? The first thing on your notes, if you're taking them, you get your heart refocused on God. You return to God if you want to write it that way. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, obvious, I, I don't obviously understand you know, the complications of what has happened. I mean, there's a lot that has happened in our world in the last few years, but I do know this, that good can come out of anything. That's, that's what God does. He restores beauty from ashes, ultramarine blues, right? And if nothing else to awaken all of us to our need for relationship with him, just lean in a little bit closer, return to me, come back to me and to cause us to cling to him and to look to him and to lean on him and to trust in him. He says, this is, here's what to do. Return to me with all your heart. This is, this is it. Let's start there. Return to me with all of your heart. Not just pre-pandemic, you know, I go to church some heart. But not just, you know, well, I've got this and I've got that and Jesus has some of my heart. No, return to me with your whole heart. Surrender to me with everything that you are and with everything in your life. So this is the kind of faith and relationship with God that he's longing uh, for in you and me, a wholehearted return to surrender. And when the wipeout comes, we're gonna keep on reading. God says, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. He relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. <laughs> Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not a heritage reproach by among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? You know, and all of that, he's saying, return to me. 
Return to me. I know it feels like this is all we've been talking about in 2023, and I apologize for that, but I think that, I guess I'm not apologizing for that. This is where Holy Spirit has us. He's been directing us to intentionally just lean in. God is in the business of restoring what's been lost. I hope you're hearing that. God is in the business of restoring what's been lost. God can reverse things that have been put in motion, that God isn't finished with our story because of a wipeout season that we've experienced. So I'm just saying that before we do anything, we need to have our hearts that are saying, we're gonna return to God and we're gonna get on our knees before him. Return to me. In America, we've been trying to get people to come back to church and all God's trying to do is get people to come back to him. I'd be happy if they came to church also, (laughs) but you could make it back to church and not fully make it back to God. And your hope is in God. So what happens after, re- after the return is staggering. A few verses down in verse 23, God is moving and God is restoring. He says, be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. So maybe we're not threshing floor full today. And maybe the, the vats aren't full of new wine just quite yet, but they're going to be. And I, I'm, I'm not just saying this. The Lord is saying this. Hey, come on, can I hear somebody say amen to that? <laughs> the Lord is saying this. God is moving and God is meeting his people. And then in verse 25, it says, I will restore the years. I will restore the years, not the days, not the weeks, not the months, but I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you. My people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. What a promise. So how does that happen? How does restoration begin? I'm just gonna fly through these because I wanna get to the part where I tell some God stories. Um, I'm gonna give you just a few simple things from this passage. Um, You should write these down if you've got your notes. I'm gonna go quickly. Number one, to get restoration, you have to admit what has been lost. You have to admit what's been lost. You can't just gloss over it. You can't just move on. You can't just say that was then, this is now, I don't want it, I don't wanna deal with it anymore. We have to admit that there has been death that, you know, Maybe loved ones have been lost and, and that businesses have suffered and others may be booned, but many have suffered. We have to admit that dreams died. We have to admit that opportunity was lost, that relationships have been fractured. So many relationships have been fractured and even decimated, a lot of them. And we have to come face to face with it. Not only did loved ones die, but a lot of things died. And we have to admit what's been lost. We can't just say, oh, praise God, he's gonna restore, he gets back with the locusts of meat, I'm just gonna believe that and move on in my life. No, we've gotta come back face to face with loss. And a lot of times in our church culture, I just wanna say this, we see that as a lack of faith, but it is not a lack of faith. It's just dealing uh, head on and dealing with what is real. When Jesus showed up in John 11 in Bethany and Lazarus had died, he, fa- he found Lazarus's family and friends mourning. And so what did Jesus do? Did he go, yeah, hey, everybody, it's all cool. No, he saw them mourning and then he wept. 
And, and so, you know, we've, we've just got to take stock is what I'm saying. The second thing we have to do is identify the marks that are left behind. You say, why do I have to do that? I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I, it, no, we do need to go there because we can't let God heal things that we, we don't understand need healing. And so we have to identify the marks. And, and here would be just, I'm, I'm going to list a few. I think there, I put them on your notes. Uncertainty is a mark that is on a lot of lives today. You're just unsure. I don't know if I want to take that job. I don't know if I want to start that thing. I don't know if I really believe for this or that or the other. I, I, I don't know. I just really don't know right now. There's a lot of that going around, right? We've seen that. I, everything seems like it's up in the air. My marriage fell apart and I was a confident person. But right now, I'm uncertain. Trauma is a mark that has been left on a lot of lives and there's so many layers of it. The loss of a loved one that dies and you, and you can't be there with them, that leaves a mark. Self-protecting or selfishness, I think is a mark that is on uh, a lot of us. And, and that is not the way of Jesus. You, you, you know, you say, you know, why shouldn't I be that way? Because hey, you know, with this economy and all the stuff that we went through on top of that, I'm just, I'm just gonna put a wall around me and build it up as high as I can. That's the opposite of Jesus. He tears down the dividing walls, right? And that mark needs to be identified in us. Polarization. If you find yourself hating or strongly disliking a group of people because of politics or beliefs or agendas, can we please consider that as a mark that we need to give attention to? That's not Christ-like. Greed. It, it, was, it was such a weird thing watching people hoard toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess, I guess there are people in this gathering right now that still probably got a good amount in their basements. And I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, but I will say this. I've not talked to one person. I've not talked to one person who's come through the last few years who are talking to their therapist right now saying, I'm telling you, we didn't have enough toilet paper and that's why I'm here. <laughs> what marks our souls? You can have a thousand rolls of toilet paper and still have a big mark left on your soul. There is a mark of anger. Some, some of the anger that's in us has festered and turned into a root of bitterness. And it's not really hurting the people that you're bitter towards, but it's eating you up and it's giving the church of Jesus Christ a bad name. When you're out there just releasing venom, church, we have to identify these things to know that these marks are where Jesus needs to come into our lives and heal and restore. Distrust is off the charts distrust of everyone, numbness, a lack of motivation, grief, fear. So ask yourself this question. Maybe write this down, circle it. What mark is on me? And I have to be able to see it so that Jesus can touch it and heal it so that I can be restored and get my crops back. Hello? Right? And move forward with God's purpose for my life. The third thing, third thing is to reconnect with the Prince of Peace. That's how you move forward towards restoration. Lean in a little bit closer. That this returning is not a one-time thing either. This isn't, you know, something that you do once. Oh yeah, I did that. I returned to the Lord with all my heart. This is a lifestyle of returning, right? It's the, it's the metanoia moment saying, oh God, you're so good. I'm gonna come back to you. And it's, it, it's, it's reconnecting to the Prince of Peace and saying and realizing I am not a sheep without a shepherd. And there, there's nothing sadder than a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. Anybody ever seen that? I got to watch that firsthand when we lived in Bayfield. They do not know where to go. They do not. They will, they will get off track so fast, all huddled into one big frenzy and one big mob. They're nervous about everything that's going on. They're going this way and they're going that way. 
And they don't have that calm voice saying, woohoo, it's over here, the green grass is over here. This is, this is where the green pastures are. This is where we sleep. This is safety. Everything's gonna be good. Because there's nothing worse than seeing sheep without a shepherd. But here's the good news. You're not a sheep without a shepherd. And reconnecting to the Prince of Peace is a key. Okay, number four, to decide that you're gonna move on. We need to decide, make that decision. You have to make a decision and a declaration. Have you done that yet? Hey, you know, you know what? There, there was a loss. Yes, it was hard. Yes, there was a wipeout. But guess what? I'm gonna move on with God. I'm gonna be an overcomer. I, I am laying down the victim card and I'm declaring that my resurrected king is resurrecting me. <laughs> my life story will not be a victim in the storm that I walk through. Yeah, but what about, about all the stuff that happened? Be as real as you want about that. That's number one. Remember, we gotta, we gotta take stock. <laughs> that was the first thing. But here comes a, there comes a time when you say, you know what, this is real, but here's the deal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a comeback. I'm, I'm not sitting here in victim land but I'm, I'm going to trust God and I'm gonna to say to God, I wanna go forward and I wanna believe that you repay for the years that the locusts have eaten. And I'm not just gonna sit back and wait for that to happen. I'm gonna move forward with you. I'm gonna lean in a little bit closer to your heart. Okay, number five, I'm gonna build faith to quench fear. Fear is rampant, why? Because a lot of what we read and what we look at instills fear. Not Jesus. <laughs> and if you grew up in, in the church, you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So I, I have to get a faith claim going. I, I have to get the word of God going in my heart. I have to weigh all that the world is selling me with the truth about what God is saying about me, right? The antidote to fear is encouraged, it's faith. And faith doesn't come by going, I can do it. <laughs> No, faith comes by hearing the word of God and believing that nothing's gonna thwart God's plan for me. Lazarus, going back to John 11, he didn't get the four days back that he was in the tomb. And, and he didn't get the however many days he was really, really sick, but he still got a future. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he still had a future. There are some things that you're not gonna get back, but you're still gonna get a future. Number six, ask for help. Man, 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 man. I don't think I'd be here today if I didn't do this part. I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it must have been Holy Spirit because immediately when I was first approached, you know, uh, with the divorce situation, man, I fell into a deep, dark pit and I reached out to some people really fast. I think I just knew instinctively I need people. And so to get moving towards restoration, we have to be able to ask for help and sometimes continually, because we can't do it alone sometimes. We need the church to shoulder our burdens. That's what the church is for, right? And if you're someone who's on the track of anxiety or depression or even suicidal thoughts, you know, 988 is a number that you can text or call. I don't know if you need that. And within 90 seconds, which may seem like a long, long time in a moment of crisis, but within 90 seconds to two minutes is the goal. You're gonna be talking to someone with a high likelihood that gonna be in the state of South Dakota and not only are they gonna be a professional, but they're gonna understand your pain and be there for you and they will walk with you. And if that's the only step you know how to take, then take that step, right? But lean on people. Jesus said to Lazarus's friends, think about this, you move the stone. 
He could have moved the stone. Jesus could have moved it. An angel, he could have commanded an angel to move it. But he said to the friends, you move the stone, you unwrap him and let him go free. That's God's plan. It's called community. It's called the church. We need people in our lives. And if you wanna get into you know, getting restored, get some pillars in your life, people who love Jesus and love you that will shoulder your burdens. Get in a connect group and share life with others, but you have to ask for help. Number seven, be grateful. We've talked about this before. I won't spend a long time. You can, you can read every study in the world, Christian, non-Christian, every psychologist, every psychiatrist, every smart person trying to figure out how do we get restored and healed. And every one of them will take you back to gratitude. I don't know the mystery of it all, but there's something very powerful in being thankful for what we have. Not just continually replaying the story of what we lost. Van Amberg said, gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. Number eight, exercise generosity. Here's the thing. You know, the tendency right now is to be tight, right? But the story of the gospel is to be open-handed. And, and part of this generosity, can I just speak to it, is the generosity of forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to follow them. It doesn't mean that you have to do it the way they said to do it next time. But the only way you can get free from bitterness is through forgiveness. But they don't deserve to be forgiven. None of us do. Well, I'll never forgive them. Well, then you're always going to be tied to the past. You'll be locked into it. The way, the way that you get out of that cage is through the key of forgiveness. And that maybe, uh, it doesn't do anything for them, but it opens a way for you to say, you know what, I've learned a lot. And if we, and if we ever go through that desert again, I'm gonna do a lot of things differently. But here's one thing I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna hold on to unforgiveness against anyone. Because I'm in a kingdom where forgiveness has freely been given to me. So we wanna be generous in every way. Number nine, this is, this is I wanna be content. I want to contend, sorry, for good outcomes. So here's the question that goes along with that. Did you learn anything good going through this battle, this storm, this whatever it was? Contend for it. Because as soon as you get out, guess what? Bye-bye. <laughs> right? All of those priorities that got reshaped, all of that purpose that got refined, all of those plans that got repatterned, all of a sudden now it's like, hey, yeah, we're kind of moving on again in that place. The place is kind of picking up. And, you know, there are new challenges to face now. And I can't worry about those old challenges. I've got new challenges. And all of a sudden we realize that, you know, we're staring at our phones and we're missing out in connection with people. And we're losing that sense of stillness and Sabbath. Whew. where we had time to breathe and to look up and remember who God is. I mean, for, for crying out loud, we know this, good things come out of hard seasons too, amen? And so the fact that we've got you know, new people joining us online around the world right now wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. I mean, millions of new people jumping on to church services. And so there are some good things that happen, so contend for them. And then the last thing is to wait. Wait on the Lord. Just be patient. How many of you know crop replacement takes time? And you may be hearing this today going, it's, it says God's going to repay the, for the years that the locusts have eaten, but I don't see it. Well, he's not just going to drop a big bag of produce on the table. He's going to replant. It says that the vats are going to be full. 
you know, and, 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 and so that, that means new vines have to be planted. And it takes vines time to produce grapes, right? And, and eventually they'll make wine and that threshing floor is going to be filled, but the threshing floor takes a really good crop. Which, which takes preparing a field, which takes a season, which takes the conditions being right, you know, and the workers working and the, the faithful patience of just trusting God. I want to encourage you today to say to the Lord, I believe that my story is not going to be defined by what happened to me in a drought. I believe that my story is going to be defined by my faithful father. And, and I don't see it all right now, but I have confidence and trust in your promises. And your promise says, I will restore to you the years, says the Lord. So here's just a statement you can make, bringing all the numbers one through 10 all together. And maybe this is something that you just kind of stick somewhere and, and you read, maybe, maybe even every day for a while, if this message is Holy Spirit's really speaking to you this morning, I will take no shame and lamenting loss. No, I'm not worried about, you know, how you're looking at me. Um, what, what are, uh, you know, what, somebody might be saying, what are you, some kind of weak person? You know, you're still going to therapy. No, that's not it. I'm, I'm just lamenting my loss and I'm shouldering my burdens with others, right? I will examine my life. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take stock and see what marks are left on me because I need to know where Jesus wants to intersect and he will. I will remain in close communion with my shepherd. I will not live defeated, but will move forward with the plans that God has for me. I am a child of faith. I was born in faith, hello? I was born in faith. I'm a child of faith. I'm not a child of fear. I was not born to fear. I was born in faith. I will lean on others. I just think it's good to say that. We need that, come on. God puts us in community. You know why? Because we all need help. <laughs> I am grateful for all that I have. Just write that over your day. I am grateful for all that I have. I'm telling you, there's always gonna be a lot of talk about what people lost, but you've gotta be able to get there and say, you know what, that's true, but I'm so grateful for all that I have. I will freely give. Of course I will. You're such a good God and you've given so freely to me. And I'm gonna give with expectation. I will seek stillness and Sabbath because I'm gonna contend for the good outcomes of this storm. One of the things that happened during the pandemic was that people slowed down and that was a good thing. <laughs> so I will seek stillness, but I'm, I'm gonna seek stillness, not for the sake of stillness, I'm gonna seek stillness for the sake of, sake of strength. And lastly, I will wait on the Lord. Can I just tell you, whomever you are, what you need, more than anything is to know that there is a God in heaven who put you on this earth. You did not just happen to show up on this planet. You are here by divine design. You are here as the handiwork of God Almighty. And he knows about hard times and wipeouts. He does. He went through them himself. Jesus went through the greatest wipeout of all, but I'm telling you, the stone was rolled away and he came out of that grave. He, and guess what? If, if we look at the story from our perspective, you know, he lost three days of his life down the depths, but what he got when he came out of that grave was far greater. And I'm telling you, your story is not gonna be defined by what happened to you. Not, your story is not gonna be defined by the loss um, or by the, but, but, but by the God who is for you. 
And, and yes, there may be losses along the way and our hearts will break for that, but I'm telling you, God is in the story and he's still in your story and you. You, listen to me, you, you can have a comeback story. You can be restored, a resurrection story, and you can be generous with your life. It's time for you to fulfill God's plan for your life. You can be the, the man that God has created you to be, and you can be the woman doing all the things that God has created you to do. So at the end of your life, you can stand before your maker and say to him, not man, thank you, God, that you are a restorer. You have restored and that you give back and that you gave back and that you gave back what the years have stolen. I love, 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 love how Joel ends in chapter two. And this is really what was stirring in my heart for this weekend. After the restoration comeback process comes visions, dreams, and prophecy. Listen to this declaration that he makes. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see dreams or shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Oh, come on. I just feel like just running and taking a lap around the church. <laughs> reading that. <laughs> Did you catch that? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young shall see visions. I, I just wanna close with encouragement to some of you, pointing the finger back at me too, to walk forward from the rubble that God is bringing you through and restoring you from and begin to dream again. To catch a God vision and to hear a word from the Lord and just, to, to just dream again, to step out, to, to move on it. And so I had this tremendous opportunity to go to Denver that I've just been so excited to share with an incredible team from uh, Destiny to partner with some of the most amazing pastors and leaders I know. You guys met Judah um, last year if you were here for our birthday party. And Destiny, we felt a connection with them um, so much that from that weekend and he with you that we've, you've been partnering with us, um, with him. Destiny has been doing our best to partner with him for over a year now, ever since Judah spoke. And so many of you have been faithful to give monthly. And so anyhow, we, we had this dream. I had this dream when this all happened that at the end of the year, we would take a team down there. And so we took a, a, a team down with really one objective, to love God by loving others. And, by, and do it by transforming this house that was uh, Kathy Prieto's house. And she's a, a mother in the Lincoln Park neighborhood. If you've been here for a while, you've seen the videos and you've heard a little bit of the story. Um, her family has been core to the LP, um, Lincoln Park Emerged Church, church plant. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna share uh, Patty's words and what she said about the trip. She said, it was incredible. To say we were blessed doesn't, just doesn't convey what happened there. It was exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. So God really did a beautiful, beautiful thing that words will not be able to convey this morning. It was life-changing. And, and, and for those of you that have been on kind of mission trips and service trips, you know how it can just change your heart and change perspectives. And do you know what it really did for me this past week? And it kick-started some dreams that I know have been sitting dormant in my life through a really tough season. Confession, right? <laughs> it kick-started some dreams that I know I've been seeing dormant in my life. And so I'm pretty sure that it was transformative in the lives of, other, of our teammates and well. So we're getting together on Thursday afternoon to share some more stories and talk about next steps and what God's gonna do. And can I just encourage you, when opportunities like this and outreach opportunities in our community, even across the borders, jump in. You know, you were created for this. 
for things like this. You were created for two things above all else, to love God and to what? Love people. And so I, Jesus calls us to be disciples, you know, to share his love by, by taking care of our neighbors. And when you do, it's so transformational. And I've watched it time and time and time again, over 23 years of ministry, uh, most of them with teenagers. I've watched teenagers just come alive when they step out um, and, and just do something with purpose for the kingdom of God. And so sometimes, you know, that means picking up a paintbrush and uh, swinging a hammer or, or learning a new skill. Guys, I think some of, most of you know this if you know me, I am the least gifted person when it comes to projects like this. I am just not handy. But, but I knew God was telling me to go. And so I, I just gotta tell this story first. Ben, the project manager who's part of the LP Emerge Church plant asked me within the first hour upon arrival, you know, what I could do. He asked me if I could do trim. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of shrugged, you know, helplessly. And you know what he did? He said, follow me. He said, follow me and proceeded to show me how to measure and cut and place the trim. And guys, I was using like all the power tools. <laughs> this, I know it was pretty scary. This, I, I didn't cut anything off except for the wood. And, and so, you know, the, the circle saw some kind of crazy vibrating handsaw. I mean, the nail gun. I mean, I was having fun. And guys, I trimmed the house. <laughs> I feel like, you know, what I want to do after the service today is I'm going to call up Derek and Pam and tell them, guess what? I'm going to build a house. <laughs> as long as all I have to do is the trip, you know. <laughs> uh, so Kathy is called the mom of the neighborhood for a reason. And we saw this firsthand. She's been there for generations. And generations of her family stopped by and, and, and call her house home too. And we met so many of them and we heard some of their stories. Some of them were really, 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 really tough. And she needed help with her house. After years of being there, things have accumulated and gotten piled up and, and her house just needed some serious TLC. She has, you know, she's getting older. Her, she can't lift her arms above a certain level. And so I, I, I wanna show you a video of our weekend in just a second, but I wanna set it up for you. Um, Judah asked me to film the weekend. And, and we have years of camp ministry together and he knew that I loved to do videos. So he said, you film. And so of course I said, yes. And we walked in and the scene was a bit overwhelming when we walked in. I mean, th this house was just full. There's a lot of stuff in this house and we needed to clear it all out before we started working on the paint and trim. And guys, I have a timestamp on the video. We had two work days on this trip. I have a timestamp of this video. I filmed us walking in and somehow, I mean, this is the first miracle that happened. Less than 45 minutes later, that house was empty. I couldn't believe it. It was a, it was a miracle. And, and then we start, and, and the thing is, we were, just, we, we were just doing the work. We didn't even realize it necessarily when we, when we were doing it, because I watched, I watched the timestamp on the video later. But I, I, I look at that, it's like, that is miraculous. And so then we started the prep work, filling in holes and cracks in the walls, taping and measuring for the trim work. That was me. Um, and it was organized chaos, let me tell you, because it was our team and their team. But in the same breath, it was just like this strangely beautiful thing, this sense of unity and community in that house was so strong. And in a normal setting, there have been a lot of opportunities for team members who were working uh, hard and who were tired after long hours on task to get after another, right? And it just never happened. In fact, it was quite the opposite. You could tangibly feel the love in that house. 
And what an incredible scene as we watched a cluttered and dark house become transformed as we made space and we made room for just the light to come in. We literally watched it happen. I mean, that was another miracle. People, uh, extended family and neighbors and friends would walk into the house as we were working and they would just begin crying. (laughs) I'm telling you the transformation of this house was such a beautiful thing to witness. That's Jesus using his kids to love neighbors on Colfax Avenue in downtown Denver. Where it is known, notice I say was, it was known (laughs) for death shootings and drug deals and brutality and abuse. But LP emerged church and through extension, destiny is bringing the light. The Lord says, I will restore to you the years, says the Lord. So long story shorter, we got to the end of the day one and we could absolutely not believe all that had been accomplished. It was mind blowing. It really was. So we're talking about it. Several of us were commenting that it felt like we had been at the house for two or maybe three days. And that would make more sense with all that we had accomplished and with all that we had done. It's a miracle. Our second work day was also our last work day. And so we, we had to, once again, we walked into the house and we were just wondering at the beginning of the day, we're, I, mean, I mean, just we're people, right? Where we're like, how in the world are we gonna accomplish all that we're supposed to do and move all of Kathy's stuff back into the house, which was the goal by the end of the day. That was the goal. Well, God did the miraculous again and we finished. Three hours later than we had scheduled, but no one complained. Joy was in the house. Love was in the house. The story of transformation was all over that house. And there were numerous people, family, uh, neighbors and friends who walked in, saw the transformation and just tears would start flowing. We watched a house transform from literal dark to light. We cleared out the clutter. We watched as Judah and Candrus, they, they, they walked the street and there was nobody on that street, let me tell you that they didn't know. They had been pastoring and loving their neighbors. That's what we're called to do right? And it was so evident. Story after story after story. After the locusts, after trial on top of trial and hit after hit, do you hear the prophet Joel speaking to us this morning? It's time to dream again. It's time to clear out the clutter. It's time to make space visions and dreams and prophetic words to move forward. And, you know, um, our staff and our team would know some of these. We've been talking about them kind of internally, but I kind of just want to speak out um, some of the things that God has been awakening in me again. And one of them specifically that I want you to pray with me about is a church plan in Box Elder. As we've, as we've been seeing, yeah, come on. Yes. I, this is yes. in our DNA in our DNA as a church, we're a planning church. Yes. And um, whether or not, you know, the, we know just um, through the work of the church, it's, it's the, the most significant way that we can reach people. And, and churches, church plants may look way different. It might look like, you know, walking down the streets like Judah and Candace do and loving community. So I don't know what, what a church plant in Box Elder would look like. Maybe it's a church around like a, um, our friends over in T are doing, we heard about. 
Um, maybe it's just a community of believers gathering in a house to begin with. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I believe we've got thousands of people moving into the neighborhood. And that's a neighborhood that, I mean, a lot of us are in. And it's a neighborhood that I prayer walk almost, uh, you know, every day. And I've, it's just been stirring in my heart for so long. And I just want us to, to pray together and believe for a church plant there. I also believe we have, we have one thing that Destiny has a lot of is space. <laughs> and I want to make space in this room for other churches and other communities and uh, believers to come. And we have so many churches that are looking for space. And so our council got yeah. fired up a little bit about this uh, uh, this week that we want to make space for other churches that are looking for a space to come and have a space. And, you know, why have uh, property if we're not going to fill it with people and, and use it and, and advance the kingdom of God? And, and there's so much, you know, in the foundations of the Foursquare Church is interdenominational work, lifting up the name of Jesus. And so we're believing for that. Another thing that's been stirring in our hearts is, you know, part of the original dream of the Occupy campaign, if you've been around that long, was an industrial kitchen right here. And how many of you know families need a kitchen? And we've, we've had this in our heart, you know, we're a missional church and, and as a missional church, we wanna invite people to the table and we wanna, we wanna be able to make food for them. And so part of the original blueprints was to extend this kitchen and, and, and put in a whole industrial kitchen so that we could serve and, and have meals and share and break bread together. And that's so biblical. Yeah. It's so all over the scripture. It's so all over the Bible. And so we, we're dreaming about that again. And, and so there's, there's so many things you know, that uh, God is just stirring up and I didn't even have time to write them down this week. So I feel like I'm doing a poor job of communicating it. But you know that not only corporately, but I know there's dreams that are stirring up in your hearts again. And I know that um, we have a team, you know, that just came back from Denver that's fired up about getting outside of these walls, which, which is also part of our DNA. It's who we, it's who we are. And so I, I just believe that God is going to burst some new missional movements from this church. I can see it. I can feel it. I can, I can see, you know, um, not just for the sake of, we're not, we're not going out of uh, these walls to raise the banner of destiny, but to raise the banner of Jesus Amen. and to partner with other believers in this city. So th those are just some dreams that are kind of reawakening in me again. And, I, you know, here's what I want to challenge you to. I know there's some personal dreams that God have, has given to you. You are purposed with a destiny, right? John 10, 10, I've given you, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, better than you can think of or imagine. God has purpose and dreams for you. It doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your generation. We have a, a younger generation that needs the older generation right now to come and, and, and welcome them in and to, and to, 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 I just have a picture, I'll end with this. I just have a picture. Whew. I, I, I was, God took me, our family down to Durango, Colorado. And it was a season after I had, I'd lost a job, the church that I was ministering at, really the, the finances fell out from underneath them. And, and they were, were said that we're gonna be nice and let you go because we know how expensive it is to live in Denver. And so I had a season of about, I don't know, nine months when I was without a job. And, and I didn't know, I, I, I had this feeling that the sense that, you know, I'd been doing next gen ministry for 
um, most of my adult life. And I had this sense that maybe that was coming to an end. Uh, you know, how, how you get, sometimes you start feeling a little bit older and they have the gray hairs are there. And, uh, you know, I was like, can I do that? I, and so I really wasn't looking for a youth ministry job. I was looking for like an associate pastor or worship pastor position. And then God brings this church in Durango who, who, who really, honestly, it felt just like destiny number two. It, it, it was so much like destiny. I loved, I loved it. That's what drew me, drew me to it first. I went down there and, and, and I had this, this talk in my mind when I, when I made the phone call that uh, talking to the pastor, I said, I was, I was going to tell him, they, they were looking for a youth pastor and I was, had this in my mind that I was going to tell him, yeah, but I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I think I'm supposed to be you know, going this other direction. And the first thing he said to me when, when I picked up the phone was, we know that you know, you're really gifted in, in youth ministry and you've been doing that for a long time. But what we really see you doing is, is uh, building up the youth ministry program that we have and then transitioning into associate pastor position. And I almost immediately started crying. And the amazing thing and the part that I wanted to get to on this morning is that, yeah, that was a youth ministry that had kind of... Um, faded out. It was, had been known for, um, you know, three-hour worship sessions, and, you know, it was the youth group that was on fire, and it kind of just fizzled down to this small group of kids. And I came in feeling very incapable, feeling very unworthy, feeling very um, like, I'm too old to do this. Kids aren't going to listen to me. You know, whatever, the lies of the enemy. And you know what God did? I think it was, it, was, it, felt, it felt just like a God's story. God's hand was all on it. It was, it was kind of like the, my last hurrah in youth ministry. We saw not only that youth group come alive and begin to worship again, but we saw 200 kids, 200 teenagers say yes to Jesus in just two years time. And a hundred of those stayed connected to the church. And so that youth ministry just erupted. It was like we were dreaming again. And I, so I just have that in my heart and in my mind that God would just awaken us. And so maybe we'll just end with that little chorus, that little song that God gave to us and the team. So sorry, you're ready for me. Um, I, it, it, it was just this little chorus, lean in a little bit closer. That's, that's really all what it comes down to, right? Because he's the one that gives dreams. He's the one that gives vision. that's just so hurried. But I just want to give space just to listen this morning. 
for our spirits to, to just lean in a little bit closer and just to listen what Holy Spirit would be speaking to us this morning. Dreams to be awakened and reawakened in us this morning. As we just lean in a little bit closer, let me just play and I just want you to just listen. God for just speaking to us this morning. We thank you for your voice. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your fresh breath of air. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. All we want is you. Amen, amen. 